All right, uh, we are Brock Lurie, the Brock Lurie Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. So today we're going to have a little bit of a different situation because we're actually recording outside. Uh, and we're with Ari, the great Ari David. It's always a pleasure. As opposed to the mediocre Ari. <laughs> That's someone else. We, we've met that guy too. Yeah. But anyway, um, I just got back from New York City, Ari, and I got to tell you, it was really strange. I mean, we're, we're, you know, we're talking about late August at this point of 2020, and it is eerie how that city has changed. Uh, the amount of traffic is... I would say about 20% of what I remember it. Um, maybe on a, you know, when it's really busy, 30%. Uh, there was no real business activity to speak of. Um, there were restaurants, uh, but only seeming, strangely, in the southern part of Manhattan, meaning like the Soho area, Greenwich Village. That I noticed. But, you know, around the Fifth Street Avenue area, you know, toward, you know, um, you know, Hell's Kitchen, that, that area, things were not happening. Um, a little bit strange. And yes, you can go to grocery stores, but it was, it was far more closed off than Los Angeles is. And they are very proud of it somehow. It's very strange. I'm, I'm reading... You mean those rebellious New Yorkers who will never tell anyone how to run their town have let right. someone yeah. tell them how they're going to run that town? <laughs> if you will. I think, yeah, well, that's one thing. But it's interesting, their logic, like, well, the reason why we're no longer a hotspot and why we've reduced the deaths so much is because we've been masking up and we've been doing all these things. Like, no, that's not, they, they have no understanding of what a virus is. You, you don't have to be, a, a, what is it, epidemiologist to, to understand what, uh, how, an, uh, how a virus works. Yeah, some uh, airplane is flying. I did not get our clearance with the FAA. It's flying somewhere. <laughs> all right, so, but, but look, the, the point is that they don't understand how viruses work. And, and it's, yeah, you could, you could try to starve it, a, a virus, but the only way to starve it is, is by just staying at home, everyone. And in fact, the better way to, to, to truly starve it in New York City, because the virus is so uh, permeable, I, I don't know if that's the right word, but whatever, it's so contagious that uh, you would just have to have everyone leave the city and everyone stay in their little hovel somewhere maybe in Alaska, in a, you know, in an igloo in, uh, near Greenland or whatever. And that way, you know, the, the virus would no longer have time to spread. Yeah, of course, they, that's not workable. So they, yeah. so, but, but they think that they're slowing it down, but, but they're just ready for the next attack. Well, that's, that's what you see here in L.A. You'll be driving in L.A. and you'll see a freeway sign that says, do this, do that, do the other thing to slow the spread. And I say to myself, oh, so it's going to spread anyway? You're yeah. just slowing it, yeah. Right, you're, you're just slowing the spread. The spread's inevitable, right? And you know, if you, I, I think um, in terms of what you just said, if they really wanted to stop it, they would just t tell everyone to take a vacation to Zanzibar, which is a malarial infected place, and hit a dose of hydroxychloroquine before you go. I like it. You know, try to get malaria, which you'll fail to do because you took your hydroxychloroquine, and then you come back and you have immunity. Right. Well, you know? they won't come back because they'll be macheted to death. But other than that. <laughs> I think it's a great idea. <laughs> now, look, the the virus, the virus situation is really a, a you know, I mean, even, I think that's Rwanda. That's uh, it. all. All those countries are 
<laughs> I mean, they're really they're har- horrible countries. I mean, it's yeah. not just Africa. There are plenty of other countries that are asshole countries, as one uh, favorite president of mine has said, and I think he's right. That yeah. you know, we, but but of course, our country is the worst. It right. must be worse, right? Because somehow, even those asshole countries have figured out how to control COVID nineteen. Hydroxychloroquine, you know. So anyway, okay, let, let me move on a little bit because I want to talk about Dr. Fauci. Now, remember that name. Uh, I'm doing a lot of research for my book, Atheism Destroys, and a big factor, a big chapter in it is about how uh, fear has taken over our country and that because of godlessness, that's the reason why we're seeing the fear. Okay? People who are of faith don't have this kind of fear. So I, I really explore it because it's not rational. Nothing about this is rational. The way that we respond to the COVID and then, of course, the way that we've been letting the riots go on and, and, and somehow we kowtow to the Black Lives Matter movement, please don't hurt us, seems to be the main message, right? Yeah, they arrest us a paddle border out in the ocean because of the virus. Exactly. But then they let a unsocially distanced riot take place. Right. So here, here's, here's my little scenario, and I have it in the book, too. I think I talked about it in my Sunday show. All right, so just bear with me. Two cops are sitting in a patrol car just parked, looking out uh, over a main pedestrian area. The first cop says to the other, hey, uh, Charlie, I think I see uh, this, uh, this man beating up a you know, white, old white woman. Ah, let it go. She, she, it's, it's okay. Don't worry about it. You know, she probably doesn't need the purse. Was she, was she killed? No. All right, let it go. Uh, okay. Uh, oh, Charlie, look over there. You're... Uh, uh, yeah, over on that side. You see those uh, three guys? They're, it, they seem to be robbing a 7-Eleven store. Um, yeah, well, you don't know. Maybe they had a quarrel. Maybe it's like a bet or he washed a bet or something like that. We don't know. Okay, Charlie. <laughs> um, oh, uh, you see those three black guys beating the crap out of that white guy? Do you want to do something about that? No, no, it's just, no. I, no, it, it'll be okay. And then uh, he says, oh, wait, I see, see that white guy over there. He's not wearing a mask. Charlie puts down his binoculars, turns on the sirens, and says, let's take out the trash. <laughs> right? Yeah. That's what it's like, to your point about the Malibu guy, right? Yeah. Um, that, that's, that's a new thing. And we'll talk about that in a moment. Okay. Um, anyway, so Fauci had said directly on the virus, look, we are not going to be able to stop the spread of this infection. What we can do is blunt the spread of the infection. And that was the point of flattening the curve, yeah, right? I'm Blunting that, the, yes. hold on, blunting it for two weeks so that the hospitals could catch up. And of course, that has long passed. And uh, then it's, it's morphed from, well, we're trying to flatten the curve to, well, we want to reduce the number of deaths to now we want to reduce the number of infections. That's not the way, we will never have an end to this unless we allow the virus to spread. It's as simple as that. Yeah, and just so you know, a guy on Twitter has been posting what I think is quite brilliant. He's an MD. Think of Los Angeles. He, and every day he'll post, and I forgot what day we're on, but he'll post, okay, we're now on day 158 of two weeks to flatten the curve. We're on day 159 <laughs> like of two weeks to flatten the curve. Exactly right. We're day 160. You know, and every and it's brilliant that he posts this I, because it gives you total perspective. We were told 
We're just flattening it. We, we can't prevent deaths. We can't prevent infections. We're just trying to make sure that the hospitals don't get overloaded so that people who could be treated yeah, so we don't die on the street. We, we understand that, and you're that's 100% right. right about it. And that's the, the ever-shifting goalposts. And that's what, what we can't, we just can't have that anymore. It's, you know, we're, we're done with this. Okay, so that's Fauci. That's what's going on. But I have something more to describe. Uh, in terms of New York City. And then I want to talk about the big, big picture about uh, this election coming up and why we're seeing the things that we're seeing. All right. So what I did also see was a tremendous number of cops um, all over the Columbus Circle area. Now, if you know Columbus Circle... Black Lives Matter mural? No. (laughs) Not that one. Although that, that, no doubt, I wouldn't be surprised about that. The, the Columbus Circle um, is a circle in New York, in the, in the west side, upper west side, where there is a big statue of Christopher Columbus, of course, right? Oh, now why would cops have to guard a statue of Christopher Columbus? Well, it's, it's not just that either. It's not just that because right next to that is Trump International Tower. Okay, oh. it's not, now that's a hotel. It's not the same thing as the uh, Trump Tower on Fifth Avenue. Uh, it's but it's hotel. It's hotel, yeah. yeah. But it's still, it says Trump International yeah. Tower. It's, it's gold. It's the classic Trump look. Um, so they have to quell these issues. I mean, that's a major hotspot. Um, but everything is, is bizarrely closed. Um, now, I went, I went up to every cop that I saw there, and I said, thank you for your service. Thank you so much. You know, thumbs up. You know, I, we really appreciate you protecting us. Yeah. You know, that's said, something you need to do. Yeah, and they said, what's wrong with you? Are you from Wyoming or something? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. You must be from out of town. <laughs> you must be from Alabama. Um, so, <laughs> yes, exactly right. Um, you know, I don't know why a cop would want to be a cop today because, and, and there are rec- no, not surprisingly, there are record numbers, record numbers of cops leaving the force. They are uh, retiring. They are uh, putting in papers to retire. Um, they're transferring. They're transferring. They're doing whatever they can to get the hell out of this job. And I can't say that I blame them. Um, one cop, and again, it's only one cop, but I'm sure it's, he's somewhat rep- representative of many other cops, uh, has said, look, uh, to, to the protester, you win. I'm out. Uh, I've got two months to go, and I'm resigning. So that's what he's doing. Um, that's the attitude of a lot of cops. And again, I cannot blame them. It's the Ferguson effect now on steroids, right? The Ferguson effect being that um, if you are to do anything toward a black uh, suspect, even if you are a black cop yourself, well, then uh, you'll be accused of being racist. Yeah, or if you're in Ferguson. And who needs that crap, attacked right? Attacked by a black guy. Yes. Remember, the cop uh, we don't need to go yeah. down. down. I mean, it's, you're it's right. So you're right. It's so much worse. But now it's to the point where just being a cop at all, forget about what you actually do. Um, and back at least in the Ferguson days, in the way, way back machine of what, 2014, 2015, um, you still had to do something that looked bad, right? Now just being a cop is bad enough. Uh, people just approach you and start yelling at you. Um, it, by the way, this started uh, way before COVID hit. Uh, do you remember that they started throwing water at the police? Yes. And then they started spitting at the police, and nothing was done to arrest them, and they were told not to do anything. Yes. And such. And so, so that was the beginning of it. For a while, with that whole thing of some crazy leftists would go up to a cop and start screaming at them or whatever. Yes. And the cops knew that the city brass did not have their back. Okay, let's, let's move on. The point is that, that, that things are we're, we're going through a very quick slippery slope, and it was a very steep slippery slope. Not good. Um, 
And now it's gotten to the point where to be a cop is just awful. Even if you're a minority cop, even if you're a female minority cop, even if you're a female minority lesbian transgendered cop with a lemon twist, that, that is not acceptable, okay? So, <laughs> Jab on, yeah. So, so, so here's what happens now, and this is, the, this is a weird dynamic. The protesters go up to my, specifically minority and female uh, cops, and they yell at them and say, you're a traitor, right? Yeah, and they start screaming racial epithets at right, them. Right, right, so, so yeah, a traitor. And, and here's the thing I don't get. So, so let me get this straight. You clamored for decades for cops to be more represented, uh, sorry, more diversity in your, in, among the cops, for more uh, uh, people of color and women to be cops. You got that. And now, in fact, if anything, they're, they're overrepresented in the police force. And, and then when they do, then you call them traitors. Like, so in other words, you'd be happy if it's only white male cops, right? Oh, right. I mean, that's what yeah. you're saying. I mean, it's... Anyway, trying to make rhyme yeah, or reason then, out of the left is, is, is just a daunting uh, enterprise. Yeah. Essentially, me, essentially accu- you know, while accusing the rest of us of racism, you go up to these minority people, forget their job, and you scream the epithet of their minority while saying, we're the racists. I mean, ow, wow. <laughs> All right. Let me move on to a next big point. And actually, before I even move on to the topic, going back to New York, it's the, the feeling of it. I guess that's really important to bring up. Um, you know, it, the energy, the, the dynamism, the excitement, uh, the sense of, you know, anything can happen, that, that's just gone in New York. The, the buildings are still there, right? Some people are still milling about. Maybe even some of the same people. I'm, I'm sure they are the same people. The restaurants still are there. They're all boarded up, and, and the businesses are all boarded up. But, but it's it's obviously different. You know, it, it feels, you know, you know what it feels like. It feels like um, all the facades of those uh, stores and grocery stores in North Korea, right? They're just, you know, they're just pictures. And it's like the the movie, the interview when. Um, that the character goes in and discovers that the grocery store that he thought was a grocery store was all just plastic. It was all a facade. And that's what New York is quickly becoming. Now, will it come back? The answer is yes. Uh, God willing, Trump gets reelected and then um, things they, will go back. But, but yeah. you know, but the flocking of people from Manhattan, away from Manhattan, to specifically Greenwich, Connecticut, and other, other towns in Connecticut, uh, is legion. 16,000 people have left, uh, wealthy people have left Manhattan in uh, the first two months of, um, of uh, the COVID crisis. I mean, really, it's, it's remarkable when you think about it. So I, I don't know what to say about that, sorry. It's, uh, it's really challenging. But ultimately, Manhattan will come back uh, and people will want to see Manhattan uh, I'm sorry, they will, will want, they'll want to buy into Manhattan again because it will be a much better deal. Uh, there'll, there'll be all sorts of things to be had, right? So, I mean, that's the ultimate thing. It cannot possibly just become a shell of itself. But right now, looking at New York City, it is a shell of itself. It's, it's pretty horrific. All right, so let me, let me talk about this other thing that I, I really have noticed, and it's really a very disturbing pattern. Okay, now, now so here is the issue. Look... How do I even begin this? Um, I now have an explanation for why we're dealing with the COVID response as we are, why we've 
been dealing with the riots and the protests as we are, all the madness associated with that. And then something else, and I'll tell that in a moment. It's, here's the reason, Ari. It is now clear that the black vote is going to go much more, not a majority, but much more in favor of Trump. It's, and wildly so. In the old days, a Republican nominee for president would need at least 10% of the black vote if he wanted to get to get uh, the presidency, right? And, other, and conversely, the Democrats needed at least 90% of the black vote to get the presidency for themselves. Uh, approximately, depends. So, for example, uh, Hillary Clinton got only 88% of the black vote. I mean, I'd say that's kind of uh, sarcastically almost, but only 88% of the black vote, and she still lost, right? Yeah. So just to give you an idea, uh, Trump got over 10% of the vote, and he won. All right, so you're with me, right? But still, you can argue it was a somewhat of a close election. She certainly won the popular vote and all that good stuff. Okay. Yeah, and Trump was an unknown, all that stuff. Exactly right. Now, this it's different now. Now, it turns out, anyone looking at the polling must be terrified, Ari, because it now shows that the black approval of Donald Trump is approximately anywhere between 30% and 38%. Okay? That is, shall we say, a bit more than 10%. Yeah, that is, uh, we better do vote by mail so we can cheat. Ah, well, now you're getting ahead of me oh, now. Sorry, sorry. Okay. <laughs> but, so, <laughs> now you're getting spoiler. ahead of it. But I know spoiler our alert, spoiler are alert. smart, so they were already thinking. Yes, yes, they were, they, they were way advanced. Okay, so this explains, my friends, why the response to COVID has been as it has been. This is the reason, because they want to destroy the economy. That's what they need. They need to destroy the economy because nothing about COVID, the, the, the responses, all, all the things that we're learning about it, <clears throat> it, it tells us that we need to reopen the economy, that the mortality rate is only 0.3 or 0.4%, <clears throat> not the 3 to 5 to 10% that people claimed it would be. Uh, kids cannot get it. Kids cannot transmit it. Yeah, it's such a small number. There are more transgenders than COVID <laughs> There you go. You need deaths. say no more. Yeah. Um, and likewise, people who are asymptomatic cannot transmit it. All right. So the bottom line is, uh, the, if the best way to uh, keep the mortality rate really low is to uh, quarantine the elderly and the super frail. That's it. If you do that, that's that's the, the most effective thing you can do. But for the rest of the, the population, we we should go about our, our practices. Why? Not just because we like to have our many petties, but because it's important for the economy and for our survival as a civilization. And P.S., uh, the suicides and the depression and the child and the spousal abuse and all the other things that we talked about are far greater than um, the, the lies that we're saving. I mean, that the number of, of lives that we're losing because of the economic shutdown is far greater than the number of lives that we're losing because of COVID. Okay. Uh, everything about it tells us we, we now know enough. All right. 
And it's going to be what it's going to be at the end of the day. The death rate will be what it will be. And there's nothing we can do to really stop it other than to protect our loved ones who are really frail and really elderly. Okay. Yeah, and criticize Trump for stating that fact publicly when right. he said it is what it is. And then the Democrats made, not that I watched, not that anyone watched, made their entire convention about how unacceptable it is to be told reality. Yes, exactly right. You know? I think you're right. Now, oh, and one other thing, um, I, I hope I'm not jumping ahead on this, but to show you what losers the Democrats are and how they simply cannot step on their own dangling genitalia as they walk. Um, as it turns out, despite all the economic sabotage, and that's what I call this, the black unemployment rate has stayed incredibly low. Yes, The that, people who have point. lost yep. jobs are white people. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so let's, let's, right? let's move on. Yeah, white course. liberals have lost their jobs. Other things about the, about the, uh, the COVID responses, hydroxychloroquine, of course, and the Z-Pak and so on, and the zinc, th that, of course, works. We know that it works, but they want to suppress that, and they, I mean, they, they'll tell you uh, right and left that, that, uh, that, that it's, um, the hydroxychloroquine doesn't work and so on, like that, but they're just peeing on your leg and telling you that it's raining. We know that they're just wrong. So, so many facts are just plain wrong about this, and there is no politician that, among the Democrat Party at least, that's willing to see reason in this department, really none. Um, so, you know, de Blasio, uh, Garcetti, uh, Lightfoot, you know, from Chicago, none of them are saying, we really need to get back to work, we are really desperate to get back to work, you know, what can we do? No, 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 it, as long as there's even... One case of a new infection, that's enough cause to, to keep the whole place shut down. That's, that's the way they think about these things. So we know that the COVID response is irrational. And the only thing that, uh, the only explanation for it is that the Democrats want the economic shutdown because they perceive that this will inure to their benefit. They perceive that they will blame Trump because, you know, when an economy is not great, well, then they always go to the to the top of the, you know, top of the, uh, the party uh, and say, well, you know, you're the president and, you know. Yeah, the buck stops with you. The buck you. stops this with you. There you go. Yeah. So that's what their hope was. But it didn't work out very well because Trump correctly said, listen, you know, I, I want this economy to open up, but you, you guys insist on state rights and I don't blame you. But you guys are crazy if you're not reopening. I'm looking at you, Newsom. I'm looking at you, you know, uh, Cuomo. I'm looking at you, Whitmer, and no. all those guys. Yeah. And, of course, they're not interested in doing it. So people are only so stupid that they're not willing to, to listen to this crap. They, they know that you know, Newsom and, and Cuomo are out there, you know, making these orders. It's not Trump making these orders. So they're not going to blame Trump at the end of the day. Here's the other thing that's going on. <clears throat> I talked to you about the riots. So the, the way that we are responding to the riots, it's how they're not doing law enforcement. As simple as that. And we talked about why would a police officer even be a, a, a police officer. We, we talked about all the reasons why that would be the case. But what's really going on is that they want to create chaos in the streets. And by doing so, they'll be able to say, wow, look, look at all this chaos. And if it weren't for Donald Trump, you wouldn't have this chaos, right? Suddenly, they're the party of law and order. But here's the problem <clears throat> for them. They, they're not the party of law and order, even at the recent uh, DNC, the convention. And not once did they say, we are the party of law and order, that we enforce, uh, you know, that we love our police and uh, nothing like that. And, and, and no one's blaming, no one can blame Trump for the violence. So no, and no one can say that he's not a president of law and order, or as Cuomo says, law and order. Okay, so that's the second thing that they're pushing. Okay, that explains that. 
the, the last thing, uh, and they, they want to keep on stirring up this pot, and they, they encourage the violence, and they're, they're, stepping, they're telling the law enforcement specifically, do not enforce the laws in some cities, of course, Portland and Seattle in particular. Um, they're also telling uh, people that they can you know, be released without bail, all, all those things we've been talking about. So you're going to get more crime. You're going to get more lawlessness. You're going to get more desperation out there. And they hope that that will also, again, inure to the benefit of the Democrat Party. Then the final thing, because those two things are not enough, because you've got this wascally thing called an election, and, and they're going to be voted out, the Democrats. There's only one more thing that they need. They need massive fraud. They need it. And there could be no better tactic to engage in massive fraud than this mail-in voting nonsense. AKA okay? universal ballot harvesting. Yes. Well, it's, it's even easier than that. It's well, universal ballot harvesting with universal ballot rejection for all the ballots you don't want to have counted. There you go. Well, that, because that's the outside what, of, the, of the envelopes in many states will denote whether it's a Republican or Democrat. There ballot. you go. Exactly right. So a lot of my liberal friends correctly note, listen, you know, I'm sure that there are some people out there that will, you know, try to... In the olden days, you would say, well, when you don't have ID for voting, then, you know, let's say uh, somebody will come in and, and start voting, uh, you know, twice, you know, for himself, of course, and then once for you, maybe even four times for three other people. Are they really willing to risk going, going to jail for the sake of just adding a third or fourth vote, right? There's a good point to that. Likewise, illegal aliens voting. Are they really willing to risk... You know, uh, being deported or being accused of a crime for because they're not citizens and they're not allowed to vote. Haven't they already committed a bunch of crimes? Well, but that's, by not, being that's here? not the point. Uh, <laughs> you're right, but they're willing to come to America, which is they risk the cost risk benefit analysis is a, a powerful one because they get to be in this country and enjoy the benefits of it. You know, what what is the real benefit to an illegal alien coming in and voting twice for Biden in this case, right? He doesn't get a real benefit. Yeah, and they, the risk is too big. Right. Let, let's not move, yeah, get too, too detailed about that. They only arrest people who vote multiple times. They don't vote, they don't arrest the people who vote once. Either way, the point is the point is that the calculation doesn't make sense for the, 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 the ne'er-do-well who's doing it, okay? But... Now we're getting to the mail-in voting. When you blanket your entire state with ballots for every single person who has ever been registered, dead people included, people who have moved from your residence and now live somewhere else. Like uh, out so, of state. Yeah, out of state. Now they, they're getting double ballots you know, for the same person. At the same house. Yeah. It's, it's too easy. I mean, think about it. You know, all you need to do is go one by one to different mailboxes and just pluck out the the uh, the mail-in ballot. And you know what it looks like because, you know, it's all there. And you just pluck out whatever you want and fill it out whatever you want, especially you go to the, you know, perce- perceivably uh, Republican areas or perceivably Republican homes. Like I, I have an American flag out in front of my house. I don't have a Black Lives Matter uh, yard sign in front of my house. Therefore, per- perhaps I'm a Republican, right? So they'll, they'll take it if they were able to. They'll take it, pluck it from my mailbox, and uh, they'll fill it out for me. Thank you very much. And I'll say, hey, where's my mail? Where's my ballot? And they'll say, oh, we sent you one. Oh, you must have not gotten the mail. Can I please have it again? Okay. Then they'll send it to me. But it takes active steps on my part to, to do that. Point is that it's super duper easy to commit massive fraud if you do this. 
Okay, and that's why they're going after Trump for uh, not funding it and all the other things. But I don't want to get into the details of that. Yeah, let's just address that one word. It's all nonsense. It's a big hoax. Yeah, it's a big not hoax. Not even worth addressing. So this is this explains why we are seeing these three things happening: the COVID response, the massive hysteria and violence and fear and everything else that's being stoked by the Democrat Party, uh, and then of course the mail-in ballot push. The reason why those three things are happening is because the Democratic Party realizes that they are going to lose and lose big time. The black vote alone demonstrates this. They know, they have to have the internal polling to know that they are really screwing the pooch on this one. Yeah, okay? that's why they put things like Black Lives Matter all over basketball courts on their NBA broadcasts. Yes. I mean, it's, just, it's a way they're trying to chip away at any black vote for Trump. Any little, yeah, they they, they want to change that narrative, and it's it's a really um, it's a challenging time, Ari. It's but but you know in a way, I, I mean this is what desperate people do, and we're seeing it, and the internal polling must be telling it to them as well, and and they're okay with it. They're okay with doing all these things because they see this as a war, and perhaps it is a war. And in war, what do they say about war? What do they say about love and war? <laughs> that all is fair in such things. And they believe that by cheating or whatever it is to get their man in, then they'll do it. Don't forget, this is the same party that decided that uh, they would have an insurance policy against uh, Trump, that they spied against Trump. I mean, if, if that part, if the party's willing to do that and put innocent men like General Flynn into jail, then they're willing to do anything. Anything. So I'm not surprised that we're going to see this, but this is, this is the new dawn that we're facing, folks. We are uh, in big trouble if we let them do the mail-in balloting, for one thing, <clears throat> but if we do not fight back. And I understand that we have to call the COVID response the nonsense that it is. It is uh, I've had it up, up to here. So have you. And the violence. We've got to fight back about that, too. Uh, stand your ground. Speak up uh, against Black Lives Matter because it's a racist organization. It's a horrific uh, organization. Of course, I'm not want to get that confused with the notion that Black Lives do matter. Of course, and in that sense, all lives matter. But that's exactly the confusion that they want to create. Okay, <sighs> I think you get the idea. But I, I am I'm very excited about November. I think that we're going to win and win by a landslide. And what they really want to do, Ari, and this is the final point I want to make. I think that the real mission here, because they know they're going to lose, is to not lose by such staggering numbers that their whole party will have to collapse. The humiliation of this proceeding, as it would in the normal course with people just tendering their ballots in the normal course, will lead to such a disaster, such a landslide for Trump, and such egg on their face that they will not be able to even uh, broadcast on MSNBC or CNN and all, all those stations the very next day. They won't be able to do it because the humiliation will be so complete. So that's their main effort, to minimize the staggering loss so, that they're about to have. If you will, you know, stop the spread, flatten the curve, <laughs> narrow the gap. Oh, I like there's, that. There's, there's, the, there's the new one. That's the main Narrow issue. the gap. All right, my friends, this is Brooke Lurie signing off. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk with you next week.